AI Tools for Creators, the podcast that dives deep into creativity aided by artificial intelligence and machine learning. Welcome to AI Tools for Creators. This show is for you if you're making any kind of content online, be it a blog post, a podcast, or YouTube videos. And in this episode, we really will focus in on YouTube videos, smart thumbnails and titles, how to boost your click-through rates using AI. My name is Mike Russell. My name is Isabella Russell. And we're here to make your life easier with the addition of AI. I wanted to say at the top of this episode, I read a really interesting blog post. It was on the veed.io blog, and I'll actually make sure it's linked in the show notes or description to this episode, wherever you're watching or listening to it, so you can check it out for yourself. They used AI, Isabella, to analyze 600 trending videos, and they gave three big things that will, well, I won't say will definitely make your video pop, but it was a common theme in the 600 videos analyzed on their thumbnails. So they must be good things to do. Do you want to know what those three things are? I really want to know what those three things are. But can we, hang on, can we, can we, this is a perfect way to lead in. That's a hook, isn't it? Keep watching and keep listening. We'll tell you those three things later in the episode. Isabella, circle back. What have you got for us? So to circle back, let's just say, why should you be on YouTube? Because you might be listening to a podcast thinking, I am going to just have audio. It's a great way. Why should I pay attention to YouTube? Now, I have some really interesting facts for you. So first and foremost, YouTube, you need to look at another way to kind of gain visibility through search engine optimization, right? It's like if you keyworded correctly, you could pop up with relevant content for relevant keywords on YouTube. Now, with Google, so traditional method of browsing the web, um, it's actually getting really difficult to rank on Google. Google takes now over three months to actually crawl through your content correctly. So whereas with YouTube, you can become an instant sensation overnight because YouTube has algorithms that will like push tinsy little bit of visibility on through Google, for YouTube search, through feed, and we'll test and see, does that work? Does that really, you know, should we, do people engage with that? Is this interesting? And if it does, then it instantly pops you through there. So it is a faster and more effective way to potentially rank and be visible both on YouTube and on Google. So it's smart. So, all right. So just, just keep that in mind. It is super, super smart. And um, I have another Another thing, Chad, but I will add it in a second, kind of as a interluding way. So you, <laughs> okay. You I can... wanted to pick up on the point of you saying YouTube will test it, will like trickle your video out and just see is it good or not, and it uses AI to quickly and analyze whether the video is good or not. So I can use a concrete example and say how it's different for every YouTuber, right? Uh, so our son. Zane or Zany Gamer, he has started a YouTube channel. He's had it for about a year, but he started seriously creating content in the last few months and over the summer holidays and so on. So he's batched up a load of content that he's releasing. He's well into Minecraft. And for the longest time, he was doing long form videos that got trickles of views, like maybe two views, five views, 20 views. Some of them would pop and get 200 or 100 views. 
And then we discovered over the summer holidays that actually what really worked for his channel was making little shorts of his gameplay. So we made little shorts. Uh, we did the transcription. You can do that inside Premiere Pro, AI transcription, uh, and take the text and show it as big captions on the screen. Uh, so that worked really well. We used the same font Mr. Beast uses, which is the Obelix font, I believe, uh, to make it really look cool and poppy. And then, of course, as you've said to me before, Isabella, we have got to make sure that the thumbnail for that short is bang on. So people, like, if they see it in the feed rather than just getting it in their shorts feed, will want to click it. Now, for his channel, that has really popped. He's getting hundreds of views every short, and that's bringing him new subscribers for every short we release. Now, a little extra trick I wanted to add, Isabella, before handing back to you and getting your feedback on this... The whole process of creating the shorts for his YouTube channel, I've been working with him and doing via AI. So like all the chopping of everything, it's very rough cut, 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 cut of his Minecraft gameplay. It's AI transcription of the stuff he's saying. And even we've used a little voice clone of him inside Eleven Labs, which we spoke about on the last episode, cloning voices with AI. And we're just making scripts that are never him speaking into a microphone. And we do it as the short and we say, look, I play Minecraft. It's really cool. You should subscribe to my channel. And every video is getting a few hundred hits and then it's getting five or six subscribers uh, per short. And I thought, this is fantastic. Maybe I can apply this to my YouTube channel. So he's got like, you know, just under 100, 100 mark now in terms of subscribers. And I'm over 300,000. And I, I thought, well, maybe I could like speed up my subscribers even more by releasing little shorts with AI. So I did it. And it was a total flop on my channel. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did have a we did have a conversation about it, and I think that the the flop that was there, you did genuinely let AI to you know just kind of run totally wild, and I think it needed a little bit of a human intervention and a little tweaking to make it more interesting. Where I think it was easier to generate that with the gaming video, where you don't have to be so focused on content. It's all about like, you know, just throwing random keywords in and, and just saying, oh, you know, you're going to be smashing rocks and finding the hidden, you know, whatever, right? It's like, yeah, it 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 doesn't quite work with what, what we do on YouTube. So it was slightly different, but it was interesting, interesting nonetheless. Um, but what I wanted to, to say that leads in a little bit further into the topic of today's episode is um, how important the thumbnails actually are. So I have uh, taken over the, the management of our YouTube channel uh, quite some time ago, and I have dived deeply into the, the depths of the YouTube algorithm. <laughs> Let's just say that way. I'm sure it's listening. Yes, I'm sure it is. Although I'm not sure whether that will be for the better or not of it. So we'll find out. Uh, but I've been trying to really understand, okay, how does YouTube determine that this video is worth to pop more than that video? How does it decide that this is good content, I'm going to show more, this is not so good, I'm not going to, to show more. And, and one of the factors that they take into consideration is actually the click-through rate. So when that video pops into the feed, uh, they take into account, okay, how many people decide to click through it and watch? Then the, after that, there are further steps, like how many people watch for the first 30 seconds, how many drop out after 30 seconds, and then there are further other elements to it. But we are focusing on that first step, right? Your video pops in the feed, in the YouTube feed, 
how many people decide to click through. So, you know, for a thousand impressions, how many decide to actually go in and watch? And there are two things that will impact that. One, most importantly, is the thumbnail. And the second is the YouTube um, a title for the video, all right? So that thumbnail, actually, if you think about it, is the crucial step in making your video a success on YouTube. And if you are just randomly banging out anything possible just to get it out and you think that, oh, I'm just going to publish the video, you know, or who cares about the thumbnail, progress over perfection, whatever. It's like, not quite. Hold on, slow down, cowboy. You've got to get that piece quite right because actually that first step could determine whether that video will be shown to people in the first place or it, if, if it will not. So then it kind of leads us to the next thing of, okay, you have to link um, in some way how relevant is your thumbnail and how applicable is it to the video the video title you have and then that first 30 seconds how does that translate in expectation so say if you have like a super shocked face of like oh my gosh this blew my mind but in the first 30 seconds of the video you have no reference to it whatsoever. People will be like, oh, hold on. So why did I click on this in the first place? Should I be watching? Uh, move on. So you kind of have to connect those three dots. And I think that this is quite often what is missing. And I must admit, I will be first one to admit to say, it's a tricky balance. And to get this right is not so easy. It's not as easy as it may seem. We definitely got it wrong in the past. But then my... Um, kind of view on this was let's learn from everything that we do so we can see this worked this didn't why does this why did this work why this didn't work and there are some surprises along the surprises along the way but i think that as the next thing we should link into those three things you've promised to take us uh, through mike through um the three key takeaways from the research go for it Absolutely. So three things that were found as common links between 600 viral videos analysed by AI and, like I say, published on a blog that we'll link to in the uh, notes to this episode. And I think as an experiment, Isabella, if we can, we work with a great team, we should talk to our thumbnail designer and ask if they'll do all three of these points, if applicable, for the thumbnail of this particular episode as it's published on YouTube. Do you think we can do that? Well, it only makes sense if in the first 30 seconds of our video, we have linked to all of those three things. So you see, it's not just the thumbnail, and I need to keep reminding you of this. You quite often forget. So let's see what the three things are, and could we deliver on that? We might need to read the intro to this podcast to make that a possibility. I think we can include all three things. So the first thing is the shocked, angry, or surprised face, and that is essentially the YouTube face. So often you'll look through at some thumbnails. Mr. Beast, again, he does it really well. That kind of, you know, really big, like open jawline and everything and wide popping eyes. So that was number one. Number two, found as a common link between 600 viral videos analysed by AI, is just a big fat red arrow pointing at something. Could be anything, uh, but calling something out. That big red arrow that you see on those thumbnails, that was number two. And the third thing that was found as a common link between viral videos as analysed by AI, you ready for this? It's the before and after split. So for those of you listening and thinking, well, what does that look like? 
So imagine a thumbnail with a white dividing line down the middle, and you have someone standing there in the middle, split by that white line. On one side, they're holding their muscle up, and it's puny and thin and small. And on the other side, they're flexing their muscle, and it's big and it's like strong and bold. So that'd be a great fitness thumbnail, for instance. You know, I, you won't believe I did this, and this is what happened to my body, kind of thing. The before and after split. So to summarize, number one, shocked YouTube face. Number two, big fat red arrow pointing at something. And number three, the before and after banana split. What do you think, mm. Isabella? I think that genuinely really good points. Uh, the first one about the emotion. And I think it's not just shocked face or angry face or surprised face. It's, it's a face that portrays kind of emotion that as human beings we in some way are immediately drawn to, right? This is, I think, the natural emotion. If you see somebody crying or incredibly upset, your initial instinct is like, what's happened? How can I help you? You know, whereas it's like, if you are in shock, it's like, oh my goodness, you know, then you, your initial um, feeling is just like, I want to know, what, what, what was this? You know, it's the curiosity that kicks in, right? And the same with um, really angry. It's like, this really annoyed me. Like, what the heck has just happened? It's like, you are drawn into that because it's the, the controversy and you were like, oh, you know, you're a bit nosy. It's like, so what happened exactly? I would like to know, you know. So so I think it's it's the basis of the, the human um, emotions that play a big part in there. And, and we should definitely, you definitely want to capitalize on that. And we have seen some of our thumbnails performing much better with those initial emotions, but then some didn't. And I wonder whether that was that that link that needs to be with thumbnail, description, first 30 seconds of the video. So all of those three elements have to dance together in harmony in order to make that perfect storm that will get you visible for YouTube, right? Absolutely, yeah. And what are your thoughts on the big fat red arrow pointing at something. <laughs> I, again, I think, you know, it's it's just kind of like, it's simplicity of this, right? It's it's simple. It's like, look at this, like this one thing, you know, it's, it's kind of like your eye follows where you point, right? So it's like, you want this. So kind of like, okay. I think in a way it almost leaves an information gap um, because depending on what you're calling out. Now, I remember about a year ago or so, we did a great YouTube video going around the Bayer Dynamic headquarters in Heilbronn in Germany. Uh, manufacturers of actually the headphones we're both wearing for this podcast, the uh, DT770 Pro X headphones. They're awesome. And we had the great privilege of going around and I actually had the opportunity to put together some of their headphones myself in their factory. And as the thumbnail, we actually used a picture of me doing that. And there was a big circle around something in the middle of the headphones and an arrow calling it out. Now, the actual fact was there was nothing particularly special about what was happening in between those headphones, but it's the fact that the arrow calls it out and people looking at the thumbnail are like, what was going on there that they have to click and watch? So I think it's more of the, like, look at this, but you don't know what it is or what's going to happen with it. Information gap, I have to I have to watch the video to find out what this red arrow is calling out, right? And what about before and after split, Isabella? I think that that's, that's also great because it just shows the immediate result, right? And, you know, if you... I think that this is great with videos that are, you know, showing some form of transformation, a journey. It's like before and after, from this to that. It's like... And you want to know that, that those learning aspects of like, I want to learn how to get from here to here. Um, so it just shows you that, wow, if I watch this video... 
I will be able to achieve that. Uh, so I don't necessarily think that you need to apply all of those every time. I think that each one of those steps could be used on its own, uh, depending on the type of the video you have and what you want to do. I don't think you need to have, you know, before and after, big fat arrow and surprised face, you know. It's like it's like one at a time is fine too. I think that the, the principle of this article was like, those three things work. So if you can use at least one of those in your videos, then that's great. Uh, they, they will get you sort of somewhere exciting uh, in all of this. But I will want to emphasize once again, it's not a thumbnail in isolation. It's the thumbnail, title, and the first 30 seconds of your video that really make the perfect storm. If you isolate it just to thumbnail, game over. Okay, so as we uh, sort of draw towards the close of this episode, let's focus a little more on title. We've spoken a bit about thumbnail. Um, this is not a new thing, by the way, but I'd like to throw it in there. A lot of YouTubers and YouTube experts have recommended maybe running your thumbnail idea through something like Google Cloud Vision, uh, which is nothing new, but Google Cloud Vision, for those of you that don't know what it does, looks at an image, tries to identify what's inside it, so a person, a cat, a thing, what text is there and what does it say, and what the emotions are inside that thumbnail, which can obviously help YouTube potentially define where this video lays. It will also look for safe search stuff like, you know, is there any adult content? Is there any like racy or violent content in there? Uh, is it potentially a, a scam or a spoof? And if you get high scores on those, maybe you'll get less uh, linking or, or juice in the YouTube algorithm. So it's worth to bear that in mind. There are also good tools. I know, Isabella, you're quite keen on vidIQ and TubeBuddy. Uh, both have a AI analysis of your thumbnail to tell you if it looks like it's good or this one's better than the other one. But what about titles? So like, for instance, Isabella, like managing a lot of the content on the channel, how are you coming up with titles in your head or have you got AI tools for that? So you see, I have I have experimented with both. And what really gets me uh, sometimes is that there are some videos you can see on YouTube with some just completely weird, wacky titles, and they really pop. So I don't think title is as crucial. I think it just needs to link. It's it's that almost that mid-step between the thumbnail and the first 30 seconds of the video, because I, I think we can be very certain of the fact that YouTube obviously transcribes your video, analyzes it in the background and decides, is this good, is it not? And then you have the tags that you add into the video. So obviously they will tag some sort of relevance of specific topics. So I think the title, you, you asked me how I do it. So I have done various different things. I've used ChatGPT. I think that quite often is over the top, over dramatic. It's uh, often it misses the point, but you can tinker with it. I think you can get it for inspiration. I don't think it's great for the end result, but you could get it to alliterate some ideas for you. Um, I have uh, quite often, I, I personally find it easiest to watch the video and then go in um, and do the title. But I don't think that's the best way. I really genuinely think that you almost have to reverse engineer the whole process. You have to think of the thumbnail first. How are you going to title the video then? And then what are you going to put in the first 30 seconds of the video? We are not doing this. And I really hope we will start doing this because I would like to say that we do as we say, not say as we, you know, you know, the, 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 the saying. So I would like to try that because I think that that genuinely is the way. And the more 
I research the topic, the more I land on that conclusion. But I think ChatGPT can help you with that. Now, I know you had a, a list of a few different tools that you could potentially use also for generating uh, interesting images. Um, I have some opinion on it. I know you do too, um, and they are not necessarily the same. <laughs> but <laughs> Absolutely. Let's look at those tools. Before we do, though, I'd just like to finish on your point there because there's some excellent points there on titling of videos and using ChatGPT. And I will say that ChatGPT usually actually, I don't know whether this is because we're working with a neutered version and it's been toned down a little bit at the moment, but like often the ideas that come out are a little bit eh and soulless and like, yeah, I think I could have actually done better myself. If you direct it, the more you direct it though, the better it is. So if you say, look, I'm thinking, I've already written down from my brain, I've thought of these three ideas. What do you think of them? And then it can improve upon them. That's a good use. But just giving it little direction, often the ideas are very meh. Um, also, I found interesting, not necessarily saying that all of these are, um, uh, you know, great practices to try, but uh, clickbait titles and information gap titles do work, but you have to be careful, as Isabella said, to deliver on the promise. So it's no good doing a clickbait title if you don't deliver on that. So you can ask ChatGPT, give me a clickbait title for a video that's about this, or give me a, a YouTube title uh, that leaves an information gap on a video that's about this. And it'll be like, I did it recently with a voice cloning video. It's like, I cloned my friend's voice and you'll never guess what happened next kind of thing. That's an information gap. As long as I deliver on that in the video by showing that like he went totally nuts or got totally surprised, then I've delivered and I've, I've stayed true and I've not tried to game the system by making something that I know is going to attract clicks. Because obviously you get the clicks, but people say he's not delivering, so they tune out and the algorithm then puts your video down. Final thing I will say uh, myself on this point is that you're absolutely right, Isabella. YouTube is definitely transcribing all of our videos, all of our long-form podcasts, and analysing what is said. So again, it may be that you have that weird title that makes no sense, but inside the video content, you're saying something very significant, and YouTube is like, this is a good video for this reason, and it ranks it higher. And where I found, you know, we only got access to this technology this year, but I have no doubt Google and the other big players have been using it way before we've actually seen it ourselves as end users. And one thing I'm enjoying using at the moment, again, for our son's YouTube channel, Zany Gamer, uh, he will create 20-minute videos of him playing Minecraft. There's no way I could go through and watch the whole 20 minutes back and decide what he's spoken about and write a nice description based on that and title. So what I now do with his videos uh, at present is I will pull them into Premiere Pro. I'll do the transcribing, which is free and included in a Creative Cloud subscription. So it's a brilliant free way to, to get information back from a video. Those transcriptions, by the way, are very accurate. I'll then go in Premiere Pro, export as text file, and then I'll go to Claude, actually. Actually, not ChatGPT, Claude from Anthropic, which is a, a great chatbot, Claude 2, and it's got a little paperclip icon where you can upload things. So I upload the transcript I just made of his video, and then I say, based on this, what would be the title, description, and thumbnail idea for the video? And Claude always hits the ball out of the park with really reasonable titles and descriptions and thumbnail ideas. And I've got to say, actually, I found in my experience recently Claude to be a lot more on it than ChatGPT. I find ChatGPT to be 
a friend of ours used this word, quite hyperbolic sometimes in the words and ideas it comes back with, you know, revolutionising, game-changing, amazing, <laughs> unleashes. And I'm like, oh man, it's another chat GPT generation. But when you go to Claude, like Claude I found is quite sensible and it's not like I unleashed the power of my game-changing Minecraft experience, which is maybe something that GPT would come up with. Claude will be like, I explored a cave in Minecraft and I met killer zombies. It's like, it's not being hyperbolic. It's not overblowing the situation. It's saying exactly what happened in the video, which is why I want. Mm, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think that the AI tools we use will get better and better. Um, but in terms of uh, some, some ideas, uh, one thing that I would like to uh, mention is Midjourney. I know we've talked about it a lot. Um, in fact, the, episode, the thumbnail to the previous episode on uh, YouTube, if you haven't seen it, I, I encourage you to go and have a look. There is the, the image of a... Uh, robot speaking to a microphone. I, I found this super striking. That was generated on Midjourney. Uh, but then, so we take that element and send it to our graphic designer who will add the background, who will add the the text and so on. So so I think that you can use this to aid your thumbnail creation. And uh, if, if used well, I think it could work really well. So uh, Midjourney, I find fantastic for creating, like generating elements almost to use i don't think that you know any tool out there is perfect to create this really amazing thumbnail uh mm. just yet it might change and maybe in the future we'll be able to upload a picture of us being super shocked and say just create a thumbnail with you know this image and insert that those words in that specific format and you know make it look cool and yeah just I've got a couple of tools to throw in myself as well. Uh, so actually, if you look at the thumbnail for episode two, uh, I swapped that out with a picture of me as an Iron Man and you as, I think, Catwoman or something like that, with the AI tool bubbles surrounding us as we talk about our favourite AI tools. And I actually created that inside Stable Diffusion using Dream Booth. And it's uh, rather an involved process to actually clone your va your face and like make that appear in an image and you often have to generate a few times to get a good one but i must credit at this stage matt wolf who has an excellent youtube channel on uh just ai in general and he's got a great tutorial on how to clone your face bring it into dream booth uh, and use it with stable diffusion if that's something you're into i'll link his video again in the notes so you can go off and watch that uh, because i've watched that and i've followed his guide and it's awesome. If you've got the time and the expertise and, and technology to be able to do something like that, that's an amazing tool. Stable Diffusion with Dream Booth. And also I want to throw in here, and I know you'll have something to say on this too, Isabella, uh, as it's only recently come into play in the last month or so, Ideogram. That's I-D-E-O-Gram, G-R-A-M. Pretty interesting. Why is it interesting? Uh, I think it's really nice because you can add text and it generally adds the text quite well you sometimes may need to re-alliterate the idea in some way but it does add the text i i personally don't like it for youtube thumbnails i think it does well as maybe um 
social media memes, you know, like some of those. I, I don't like it because I don't feel like I can make it on brand. Whereas in Mid Journey, I can link to a specific um, style image and it will pick the colors. It will pick the the feel and I want that for a brand. So I, I don't think it's easy to stay on brand. And I think that that's important from the branding perspective of any YouTube channel. You don't want to have like all your YouTube thumbnails looking completely out of whack and very different. So that's personally why I wouldn't necessarily use it for that. Uh, I think it's a fab tool to kind of have a play with. Maybe you will find some good way to, to use it in business. I so far, I will be honest, I haven't. Uh, I have played with it a few times. I tried to get an image of a Super Mario jumping up to get an extra life. And I was like, it was coming up with some really weird stuff, like Mario looking like some form of cross of Mario and Luigi. And then like, you know, the, the extra life mushroom was like somehow a transformation of a mushroom and the star and whatever. And I was like, ah, it just took me forever. It's like, you know, I've spent such a long time and I still didn't get it right. So I think... Uh, you know, those tools can maybe help sometimes, but I think sometimes also we can spend a long time trying to get something right and not quite hitting it. Agreed. And obviously these tools are constantly evolving and improving and undoubtedly within uh, months or possibly even weeks of this episode going out, uh, there will be updates and improvements made. So likely you'll be able to do all the stuff you're saying in the future. Uh, these tools are only going to improve. Uh, so closing thoughts, Isabella. Closing thoughts, if you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe uh, so that you don't miss the next episode. And we've got some really interesting stuff coming up in the future episodes. So hit that subscribe if you haven't done so already. And if there is one friend you can share this episode with, please do. It helps us spread a word and grow the um, community of AI tool users uh, just like you. AI Tools for Creators, where technology and creativity merge. merge. It's like having a creative partner that never sleeps. Subscribe now, wherever you get your podcasts.